0: Man, it's great to worship together with you with old songs and new songs. Uh, be in this place, such a great, such a great time. Hey, I just want to give you a quick update. Some of you have been asking. I shared a prayer request on our Facebook Live um, with uh, the church, also on our prayer list, for a young girl on one, of our, on one of my soccer teams who had brain surgery this last week. And some of you have been asking, and uh, she has, uh, it was a major surgery, but. Uh, Recovery was expected to take a lot longer in the hospital, and while she still has a long process ahead, she is home actually very early from the hospital, and so thank you guys for your prayers for her. Really appreciate that. Um, I know we 're a praying congregation, and every week when we send out our weekly email there 's always a, a link for prayer requests for weekly prayer requests that is the most clicked link on on our weekly email so I know you guys are praying you guys are keeping up to speed on what 's happening and uh, we don 't always get to circle back on all the answers to prayer, but uh, definitely know God is working and moving well this uh, this last week or so, I was able to finally use one of my christmas gifts i know it 's been a while or a few months out, but I got a uh, I got a gift certificate to a, a place called Throw Nation. Have you guys ever gone axe throwing? Yeah. Well, apparently, you know, my wife thought I needed to have that primal experience of throwing a hatchet, you know, in, in a public place at against a wall. But but uh, that was a really fun experience. So we went out uh, with our with our family, and we had this uh, this time together. And there's different competitions that you do. And uh, and I think I, we got a video here of my first throw ever. <laughs> Okay, that wasn't my first throw. That wasn't my first one, but I did, we did catch that one. I, I didn't want to show the one where the axe fell on the ground. But, um, but the point of this is, is that, you know, you have to. You have two things in, in axe throwing. You have an axe, and you have a target. And the point of the whole thing is to try to hit the bullseye, right, or to get the different places that you need to get the score. Well, the bullseye is, is the center. It's the focus. It's the target. Now, it did get me thinking about, though, like, Imagine being a bull. Wouldn't that be kind of insulting to think that humans' idea of hitting something with a sharp object is your eye, a bull's eye, you know, but that's the thing, you know, you want to hit the center of the target, and when you do, it helps us focus on what we need to do, because if not, you you take a place like this where you put people in cages throwing, you know, axes, and if they're, you know, having a little bit, bit too much to drink, they're going to start playing like tag with one another, right? You need the focus. You need to have the target. You need to know what you're going after, and so in life, and as we're talking about this idea in the series of Emerging, we need to be able to, to know what it is we're going after, what it is that, is it that we're aiming for. And so today in part two, I want to talk about Emerge, how do we clarify the vision? How do we clarify the vision? Again, as we're talking in the series, Emerge, we don't want to just uh, come out of this season of pandemic, this year of change, where our world has fundamentally changed in, in public, in in culture. In so many of our own lives, things are different. We're not going back to the way that it was before. I'm sorry. We all know that. It's not going there. And maybe that's a good thing. How can we emerge and not just kind of lament things that are gone, but how can we emerge better? How can we emerge stronger in your job, in your faith, in your family, here as a church? How can we take this opportunity and say, it's a new day, and here's our chance to do something different and for God to birth a new vision in us? And so as our guide through this, we're in a book called Nehemiah. And Nehemiah's in the Old Testament, and it tells the story of a man who was a cupbearer to a king, and he had this opportunity because he had heard about the news that the city of his ancestors, the walls are laying in ruins. And it's not just that they're laying in ruins. They've been laying in ruins for a 100 years. His ancestors had gone back after they were in captivity, and they'd gone back, but they didn't do anything about that. They rebuilt the temple, but not the city walls. And when he heard about it, he was just devastated. He was broken over it. And God began to do something in him. And we talked about last week that that some of us have been living in our rubble so long that we are numb to it. And maybe we spent a whole year living in our rubble. Or maybe you're you're getting a wake-up call and saying, something needs to change. And at some point when Nehemiah heard about this, his heart was broken. And it says he wept and he fasted and he prayed and he turned that towards God. And God began to birth a new vision out of his brokenness. And so while none of us wanna be in brokenness, we all wanna avoid brokenness, God can actually use that very brokenness to start birthing something new. And the question I asked you last week, I wonder if you've been reflecting on that, is what do you weep over? What makes you, what makes you cry? What makes you sad? What makes you mad? What makes you angry? What, what stirs that emotion in you? As you look at your own life, where do you finally get to a point and say, it's enough, I've had enough, it's broken, we need something to change? And so we begin with that part, but then where do we go from there? And so today I wanna talk about how do we move from that brokenness and clarify that vision? Because it's not just enough to be broken, we wanna see something change in reality. And so we're gonna talk about four steps to clarifying the vision today. You guys ready for that? All right, let's do it. We're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 2 today. So if you have your Bibles, you can take out your Bibles. I'll also have scriptures on the screen for you. But where we pick up the story now, Nehemiah, again, he's, he's heard the news. He's broken. He's prayed over it. He's been fasting. The weeks have passed. Actually, the months have passed. And he's just asking God to, to do something. And we don't know all what happens during that time. But we see that when the moment comes, when the opportunity comes, he's ready. He's not gonna miss his shot. All right, here we go. Nehemiah 2, verses one to three. Early the following spring. So remember, he first heard the news in in the fall, and now it's been four months. Early in the the following spring, in the month of Nisan, during the 20th, is that where the car comes from? It's missing an S though. All right, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine. Remember, he was the cupbearer. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. So he has this moment, and Nehemiah does his job well. As the cupbearer, you know, his job isn't to get involved. He's off to the side, but he's trusted and he's loyal. And so he goes into the king every day, and he does his job, and he's professional about it. But this particular day, the king notices something. His demeanor is different. He's sad. There's a heaviness to him. And that's not typical for Nehemiah. Otherwise, the king wouldn't have noticed it. You know, he didn't, he didn't wear his emotions on his sleeve, he showed up to work, he did what he was supposed to, and it wasn't about him, it was about serving the king, and so he did that well, but, but this day the king noticed, why are you looking so sad? Then it, says, it goes on, it says, then I was terrified. Why was he terrified? You don't show up in front of the king te- you know, looking sad, you're there to do your job. You could lose your head, you could lose your job, right? So, so he was scared in this moment going, wait, why is all the attention on me right now? But something happened in that moment, he, he knew there was an opportunity. So in that moment, he said, I was terrified, but I replied, long live the king. And he said this, how can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. So he restates what he's been processing, what he's been thinking about for a long time, and and here's this moment, and he shares it. So like I said, I want to look at four main parts to clarifying our vision. And the first is this, we need to know what the problem is. You need to be able to identify the problem. We began last week with talking about brokenness and finding out what are those places, but you need to name it. You need to put a name to it. What is the problem? He was able to clearly state, the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins. And so he was able to share that. Every vision begins by clearly identifying the problem. If you don't know what the problem is, why are you changing any? Why are you trying to do something different? You have to know the problem. Nehemiah could state it very clearly, very succinctly. What about you this past week remember last week I said I don't don't want us to go through two months of of a just an exercise of studying the Old Testament and not doing anything what is the problem that you're dealing with in your life what is the thing that you want to change that you want to see different state it my marriage is broken it's not where it needs to be I'm unhappy in my job I'm not using my gift something needs to change my finances are shot. We're in debt above our head, right? We don't have enough money at the end of the month. Something's got to change. What is the problem? It might be in your own life that way, or again, like we said, the problem might be something that stirs you outside of yourself. You look around, and maybe you're a student, you're at school, and you go, you know what? The, the, the music program doesn't have enough instruments. I want to do something about that. The football team needs new jerseys. I want to do something about that. What's the problem? We think about the church and we say, what's the problem? Well, there's people who don't know Christ. There's a generation out all around us that does not know Jesus. We need to reach them. We need to do something to reach the next generation for Jesus. That's the problem. In our church, we have a a group called English Conversation Partners. They've identified a problem that says there are people moving into our city that don't know how to speak English. And there's a problem there. And we want to address that. We want to do something about that. Andy Stanley puts it this way. He said, visions Form in the hearts of those who are dissatisfied with the status quo. When is the status quo enough? When have you looked at your life and go, "Even status quo, maybe it's not even broken and ruined. It's just status quo. It's stuck. We need to do something. In that moment, something can emerge. But listen, more than identifying what the problem is, it's knowing why is this a problem? Not just what's the problem, but why is this a problem? What's wrong? What has to happen now? Now, in this instance before the king, Nehemiah doesn't have to explain it to him because the king understands what a problem it is when cities don't have walls. In that context, in that culture, you understood your city is vulnerable to attack. It's hard to establish any political structure. It's hard to protect your worship, your culture, the things that that make a city and a country and a nation what it is. And so he understood that. But what we also see is earlier in chapter one, when Nehemiah first heard about it, the problem was more than just political or structural. He said, it's a disgrace that the walls are broken down. When he heard, he said, it's a disgrace. What did he mean? Well, he understood that there's a spiritual component to this as the people of God, his people, the, the Jewish nation, the Hebrews, they were the people of God, the ones where, where, that God chose to be his light into the world, the one that he was going to reveal himself to the nations through. And for the city to lie in ruins, what did that say about God? What representation was that? What reflection was that of their God? It showed that that they don't care, that their God must lie in ruins as their city lies in ruins. And and the the, the blessing that came to Abraham was to be a blessing to the nations. You're blessed to bless others. And here they are, 100 years, the city lies in ruins. Great, you have a temple, but what about the rest? And so here was this, 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 this visible image of something that was broken, and it also communicated to others, apparently you can't work together as a nation to accomplish something. Right? This is a disgrace. We are the people of God. It needs to look and be different. So, so Nehemiah understood this. Why is it a problem? He got it. How many of you guys like the show Shark Tank? I've used this as examples before. I always like that show. I pull a lot of stuff from there. Anyone else with me? Shark Tank, right? You know, now entering the shark. Well, the Shark Tank. Well, Nehemiah entered the Shark Tank too. And when you watch the Shark Tank, and, and if you don't know the show, it's people that are making pitches for um, their products that, that they want these investors to buy into. And so almost every pitch in some level, at some, in some way when somebody comes in, they'll, they'll go to the Sharks and say, you know Sharks, I'm sure you've also dealt with this issue in your life, this problem. You know, you're, you're, you're driving in your car and your phone falls between the seat, right? Or those hot McDonald's fries are there and they just don't taste the same when you reach under and you pull them out with the wet Cheerio, right? I mean, it's, you know, that's a problem, we gotta address something wrong with that. Or, you know, it's such a pain. I'm sure you've dealt with it. It's so hard when you slice your banana one slice at a time. You know, or, or you, have you ever had trouble reaching far back into your refrigerator and you just can't get those things? Or, or, you know, you're always looking for your reading glasses. Anyone else, right? Like, they identify a problem, something that's common. They're saying, here's the problem. And, and then they're going to tell you why this is a problem. And that's how every pitch begins. And so you see this, uh, the scrub daddy here. This is the most sold product. I mean, it's had the most impact on uh, Shark Tank. And it's a sponge that looks like a sun with a smiley face, right? It's gone over $200 million worth of sales because he identified a problem, and he came in, I've, there's a problem, I've got a solution, and all the unique pieces about that, and they invest, and it blows up, and it really makes a difference. It went from just being ideas to being a reality, to being, you know, taking that, that, that idea and making it a reality, So you come back to your situation. What is it that you're dealing with? Not only what is the problem, but why is it a problem? Why is it a problem that your marriage is struggling? Because that's not how God designed marriage. He designed it to be fulfilling, to be mutually submissive to one another, to to build each other up. Why is it a problem that you're unhappy at work? Because you have gifts and you have talents and you have something you want to contribute and something you want to offer. You want it to matter. Why is it a problem that you're struggling with your health or with your weight? It's not just because you want to look different, but maybe you, you know, the problem is you want to play with your kids and your grandkids, and they're going—you know—they're going you know, to go hiking, and you want to be able to take that trip with them. Why is it a problem? Why is it a problem? It's not just a problem that people can't speak English, but why is that a problem? It's a problem because it makes it hard to find a job, it makes it hard to integrate into culture, it makes it hard to read signs and to just navigate. And so that's the problem. Why is it a problem that we're not reaching the next generation? For Christ if we miss out on that. It's a problem because the church will will die out. It's a problem because people are not going to know Christ. Why is it a problem? We need to come back to those situations and identify that. So then you move from that. Once you have identified the problem, now the next step is logical. You need to offer a solution, right? You need to offer a solution. What's the solution? You know Kevin O'Leary, he's Mr. Wonderful on on Shark Tank. He says, if you can't explain your deal in 90 seconds or less, you're going to fail, 90 seconds or less. What's the problem, what's the solution? 90 seconds, go. You can't have a lot of fluff, you have to get down to it. What is the issue? Well, Nehemiah, again, he steps into the shark tank before King Artaxerxes, and the king asked, says here in verse four, well, how can I help you? Man, wouldn't that be an awesome thing to have a king say to you? If, somebody, if the sharks are saying, well, how can I help you? What do we need to do? I mean, Here's a moment where he can, where he can be ready, and you have to be ready, and he's ready. I like the way he responds. With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied. You've been in those situations before, right? This is the moment, this is the chance. With a prayer to the God of heaven, God help me. God give me the words. But he he was always brought God into the middle of everything that he was doing, from his prayer to his fasting, to this moment before the king. God, please help me. And so he says to the king if it please the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, Send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. You see, he stated the problem very quickly. The city lies in ruins. The gates are burned down. What's the solution? Send me. I want to rebuild the city walls. I want to rebuild the city. Stated very clearly, stated very matter of fact, this is what we need. What's your solution? What's your solution? What do you envision Again, come back to some of our examples. What do you envision for your marriage? I envision a happy, healthy marriage where our kids and our family can thrive in, where we enjoy being together. This is my vision for my family. I envision a job where I'm using my gifts and my skills and I come home and I feel like I've made a difference, I've done something. I envision myself being able to hike that mountain or to do this thing. I envision that, that someone who doesn't know English can now have a, a conversational level of understanding of English and they're gonna feel like they, they have something uh, that, that they can acclimate into the culture. I have a vision for a church that reaches young people for Christ where we see lives being transformed. We've gotta do something. That's the solution. You gotta come through. What's the problem? What's the solution? Be able to state it and be able to state it very succinctly. 90 seconds or less. So here's the thing. We know problems. We know solutions, but that's not enough to know the problem and the solution. It takes a lot more. Remember the people back in in Jerusalem? They'd been there 100 years. Do you think they knew what the problem was? Give me an audible. Yes, (laughs) they knew what the problem was. What was the problem? The walls were broken down, right? And let me guess, they all knew what the solution was. What's the solution? (laughs) Build the walls. They all knew it for 100 years. Everyone knew the problem. Everyone knew the solution, but they failed to do anything about it. We live in a world where people know the problems and they know the solutions, right? Just scroll your social media feed. Everybody has an answer to everything, right? Here's the thing. You know how to do your boss's job better, don't you? <laughs> you know how to run the church better, don't you? You know how to run the government better, don't you? Don't I, <laughs> right? I mean, we, I put myself in that. We We know how to do everything better. We have different ideas. You know how Patrick Mahomes could have beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, right? It's called armchair quarterbacking. <laughs> Right? It's to step back and say, We know the problem, we know the solution, we can, we can just, uh, you know, why isn't anybody doing anything about that? But nothing gets done. We need to move to the third step for clarifying the vision. We need to move to a plan. <laughs> we need to move to a plan, not just enough to spout out a solution. What's the plan? And so here Nehemiah is ready. Again, he's in the shark tank, but now he has to be able to clarify his plan. The king, it says, with the queen sitting beside him, asked, How long will you be gone? When will you return? Two very basic questions. You said you're going to leave. You're my cupbearer. I need to know how long you're going to be gone. When are you going to be back? So he may have asked more questions, but these are the two we have here. And it says, after I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. All right? He had an answer. He knew. He didn't just go in and go, oh, man, I never thought you would actually offer this for me. Uh, let me see. I'll have to get back to you. I'm not quite sure how long it'll take. Uh, wow, I didn't expect this. He was ready. Remember, he prayed, he fasted, he waited, he was ready with an answer. But then he wasn't going to miss his opportunity. Look at how it continues. He said, I also said to the king, he's got this moment before the king, if it pleases the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the provinces, the province west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories on my way to Judah he was 900 miles away, and he had already thought, how am I going to get from here to there? And I'm, I, I, want, I got this plan. I want to make sure that I have safe passage. And so he was ready with that request. But when you have the ear of the king saying, how can I help you? You don't miss this opportunity. And he goes even further. And please give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest. Instruct him to give me timber. I will need it to make beams for the gates of the temple forest, the fortress, for the city walls, and for a house I wanna build for myself. Don't you love that? I mean, he had this opportunity before the king. He's like, I need it for this, I need it for that, and by the way, I'm gonna move there, and I don't have a house, so hey, can you maybe throw that in as well? He's not gonna miss his opportunity. He had a plan, and the king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. All through that, God's hand was in it, God's hand was moving, but, but Nehemiah didn't just sit back and say, I hope something happens. He had a plan. He had a way that he was going to go through this and make it happen. Do you have a plan for your vision? Do you have a plan for what you want to change in your life, what you want to be different? What's it going to take? So you want a new marriage, you want something to be different, well, make a plan. All right, what we're going to do is we're going to go see a counselor. We're gonna go every week and we're gonna see a counselor. We're gonna read a book together. We're gonna set up a date night. Those three things right there, you know, might already get you well on your way to starting to to turn some things around. What's your plan? I'm unhappy with my job, like we said. What's the solution? What's the plan? Well, I'm gonna see what's available out there. I'm gonna see if I maybe need to do something more with my education, maybe get a new certification. Maybe I need to go in a different direction. Maybe I need to talk to a career counselor. But write those things down. What is it that you need to do? English conversation partners didn't just happen because they thought they saw a problem and a, and a solution. It was like, well, what's the plan? We need to recruit some volunteers. We need to get some, some approach on how we're gonna do that. We need to set a night in which that's gonna happen. We're gonna have to advertise it and get it out to people. We're gonna have to talk to the church to see if we can have a space. You need to make the plan. What's the plan? How do you go about those things in your life? How are you gonna lose weight? How are you gonna get healthy? Make the plan. It doesn't have to be complex, but start with two or three steps to take it further. As a And our staff here at the church, we we have a practice every year, we call it uh, setting up our ministry action plan, a map for the year, because while we have our regular responsibilities we do every week, there are certain things we wanna take further in the coming year. And so every staff person puts together a map and has a couple of key pieces. I submit one to the advisory council, who I report to and, and say, here's the things that I'm seeing in this year that we need to address. And so here's my map for 2021. The first thing is to rebuild leadership. We had a lot of leadership changes last year, and and so between staff and volunteer teams, too, we want to say how do we rebuild the leadership? How do we prioritize that? And we're already taking steps in that direction. Re-establishing relationships. After the pandemic, we all were separated, we haven't been able to get together. Church community has has suffered, all the Zoom things. So, how do we regrow in-person gatherings? How do we create new opportunities like the outdoor celebration? And coming up in the summer, we've got an outdoor picnic planned in in June and and different ways to say how do we get ourselves back into proximity, into relationship. Expanding our digital presence. We all know that, again, things look very different uh, coming out of this year. And while we're we're already doing a lot on this front, how can we continue to improve our online experience? If you guys are watching online and it's good, let me know. Give me a thumbs up. Give me a a heart or one of those wow faces. I don't know. Um, But we want to connect We've added Instagram as a way where we're streaming. So just a couple of examples. And then the last one that I'm excited about here is defining the discipleship pathway. We really want to look at all the ministries. We thought this is a great time for us to say, what are the things we need to focus on and put them into into a plan that helps move people in a growing relationship with Christ? And we're working on that. Every single Monday, we're getting together just with the pastors for a special set-aside meeting to work through this. And in September, second week in September, we're gonna roll that out and we're gonna share what that is. And so we're making progress because there's a plan. You want to have a plan. A good plan implemented now is better than a perfect plan never implemented. (laughs) Right? That's gonna move us to our next point. You can have a great plan, you can have the best plan, you can wait forever to have a plan, but if you never do anything with it, nothing's gonna happen. So take a couple of steps, lock them down. What are your steps? And here leads us to the fourth point. Clarify the vision it requires. Action requires action. This is where so many fall short. This is so many times where where things get stalled out. At this point, and we read in the story, Nehemiah left. He actually went, and he was accompanied by some of the king's uh, armed officers and army, and and he made his way to Jerusalem. He arrived at Jerusalem, and and there he, you know, we read about what he did. He was there for a couple days, and it's kind of cool to see too that he took that step, he left, and now he's there, now he's on site. And once you step into the vision, once you step into the plan, it's that first step that's the hardest step, isn't it? It's that first step. It's so, you know, you have great intentions to want to, you know, to, to exercise every day, and you bought your, your, your membership to the gym, and that first morning the alarm goes off and you hit snooze, and you don't get up. It's much easier to do it the next day and the next day. But once you step out of bed, right? you've already won half the battle. When you take that first step into your action, into your plan, you're already seeing things move. Nehemiah steps into it, and what you see, and we'll talk about this in the next couple of weeks, is when you begin your plan, things all, all of a sudden look a little different once you start. And, he, and in this chapter, we already get introduced to a couple of his nemesis, some guys that are going to give him a really hard time. There's some opposition that stands in a way between his dream and what he wants to accomplish. But he's also, what he does is, is, is we see in this first chapter, he gets there, and what he does is at night, while everyone's asleep, just a couple of days after being there, he grabs a couple men, he grabs some horses, and he starts inspecting the wall. He starts going around the wall bit by bit and going in and out the gates, and the thing that he's only heard about, the things that he's planned for, now he's in it. Now it's in front of him, and now he can make some, some adjustments. He can really see what it takes and what's needed. He's in the process He's moving, he's acting, he's doing something. Listen, many of life's greatest dreams and aspirations are collecting dust because ideas never get turned into action. Anyone uh, resonate with that? I do. How many of us have had a good idea at some point in our life, maybe even had a plan, but it just never got off the ground? Just think about how many awesome things would be in this world and in your life if every plan and vision that we had, we really were able to follow through. So much gets stuck on this point. And we've all been there, we've all struggled with that and that's the encouragement to say go and take that step. It was some years ago um, in our church, uh, again I was church planting back in Arizona, a lot of examples from that time, it was probably the most, most faith filled time in my life of stepping out into the unknown and, and God's continuing to challenge me to take those kind of steps and, and I remember even as a, as a young church, we were meeting in a school, we were a church for people who don't like church and yet we still felt like this is still a barrier. Even people are struggling to come into a school, and you know, we felt that was too traditional, maybe. People weren't willing to come into a school and, and worship in that way. And so we identify the problem. People aren't coming to church that aren't used to coming to church just because we're inviting them. So we had to come up with a solution. Well, what's the solution? Well, can we take the church to the people? Can we go, can we step out, can we do something different? That was the solution, all right, that's great. We wanna do that, that's a vision. But what is it gonna look like? Well, we have to start coming up with a plan. And I remember as we prayed about that and talked about that, one day we're driving down the road and there it was, it was the gym. Now, it wasn't a gym, it was a restaurant called the gym. It was a sports bar called the gym. And I remember being in that place and I'd eaten lunch there in different times and it's just this cool environment. There's TVs all over the place. You guys know what a, what a sports bar looks like. And, and uh, it had this little stage in the corner. And I just thought, man, this would be the perfect place for us to do church. Crazy idea, that's never going to fly, how's that going to happen? Well, the plan, all right, well, I need to talk to the owners. We need to talk to the owners, see if we can pitch this idea to them, the place that on Saturday night has a much different crowd than it does, you know, and they're not open on Sunday mornings until football starts in Arizona a little bit earlier, in the, you know, before lunch already, but let's see if we can maybe uh, get in. So I, I got in and I was able to get um, a meeting with the three co-owners of this, of this restaurant, And so I came in, and and they said, well, okay, what did you want to talk about? You said, you talked about, you know, wanting to rent this place. And I said, yeah. I said, how would you like to have some free advertising and to have, you know, a number of people coming through your doors without any cost to you? It's like, oh, I'm interested in that. Well, we'd like to have church here. And I was like, Whoa, deer in the headlights, right? Like, this is not what we're used to doing. But, all right, tell me more. I mean, literally, it felt like one of these moments like Nehemiah had before. Okay, well, how can we help you? I mean, tell me what, what you're interested in. And we said... We'd like to meet every Sunday morning. We'd like to, you know, what we want to do. And they agreed. And not only did they agree, they said, we're not going to charge you any rent. And then it was like, well, we'd also like to serve some breakfast. How does that work when we're in a, you know, we like to do something light for people when they come in? And they said, well, how about we provide that and you just pay us 100 bucks a month? That'd be the only, th- uh, 100 bucks a week. I was like, done, <laughs> done. They'll do that. I mean, it was amazing. We couldn't believe it. And so we had, we had a problem. There was a problem. We had a solution. We had a plan. It, but uh, <laughs> sorry, it never happened. That'd be a boring story, wouldn't it? Right? To stop short of the action, to say that was such a cool idea, but it never happened. So we just went back to church at the school, and I don't know, but someday, someday I'd like to do it. No, we did it. We did it, and it was one of those moments where you've got it stepped out, and we're like, all right, let's create a mailer. And so we created this mailer, and, and took, a, took a beer tap, and on the handle of the tap, we wrote faith and then we had a beer glass that was filling up, and on the beer glass, we had our logo of the church, Faith on Tap. Isn't that awesome? And so then we said, you know, come on out to church at the bar. And we set the opening date, and we mailed it out to 10,000 homes, and then we prayed because we didn't know if any would show up. That's scary. You put yourself out there in faith going, this could be the biggest, you know, bomb in the world. I don't know. So that morning, um, we, you know, we set up, we knew that where, the way the, the bar was set up, that the, um, the stage could be seen from about 30 to 40 seats, you could maybe get another like 15, 20 people sitting around the, the, the bar, and the rest of the restaurant, you really didn't have a good view, and so we were hoping for 30 or 40. When time came for the service, those 30 or 40 seats filled up pretty quick. Then we started seating people around the bar, now they weren't serving, um, you know, alcohol at that time in the morning, but people were sitting all around the bar, more people came and started filling out every other seat in that restaurant, probably about another, you know, probably about a total of 80 or so seats in the restaurant, maybe 90. Then people started filling into the entry, like this little kind of hallway entry that they had leading to the doors, like with a half wall. They were standing there. Then we had to take the speaker that we had facing inside, and we took it outside because people were gathering outside, and we had like 110, 120, I don't remember the exact number people showing up that day, and we had church in a bar, on Sunday morning. Can I get an amen for that? Um, but it was so cool to see this environment transform where, where it was one of these surreal moments. We, we tapped into all the TVs throughout the bar, like with our feed, and it had like the lyrics to the songs and all the, the message points and our, the stuff that was happening was on all the TVs around, and people were, were worshiping and were singing. And because of that moment, there were families that stayed connected to our church. That, that after a time, we weren't able to continue that. But there were some families who connected. And I remember uh, one woman, Sarah, was saying, you know, my husband was, i wanted him to come to church with me, but I could never get him to come. But he came to the bar and he was connected then to our church after that point. And so were a few other families. But it's one of these moments you have to put it into action. You have to take that step. And then once you do, all of a sudden you realize there's other kinds of problems and challenges and obstacles. And we're gonna talk about that over the next several weeks because the Bible doesn't just paint a really easy picture about Nehemiah's journey here, like great, the king blessed him and gave him everything and easy peasy. No. He had to he had some challenges, obstacles, and, and obstacles he needed to face. So it comes back, you know, to us and to you and me. What's the problem? Can you state it? Why is it a problem? What's the solution? What's it that you would like to get to that you'd like to see? What are two, three steps to the plan? Again, don't overcomplicate it, don't try to have a perfect plan. What are two, three steps? And can you take the first step? Just think about it. Between now and next Sunday, you could already take a first step in the direction of a different future. Or you could ignore all this, forget it by this afternoon and Monday, and and then come back next Sunday, go, okay, what do we do now? And nothing is done. Write down a step that you can take. What's a step that you can take? And when you take that step, little by little, you'll start seeing what is in front of you, And, and God will start revealing more and more how to shape that, how to adjust that, how to take it in new directions. And when we follow this path, God can take the brokenness that birthed the vision and he can start growing something new in us. And when we step out to take that step of action, our faith grows because we have to put our trust in God. God, come through for me. God, we need you. Come on. Every step of the way, God is there. You know what's so cool in all of this too is that not only do we have a vision we're trying to figure out for our lives in different areas or for our community or for different problems around us, but did you know that God has a vision for you. The Bible says, "For I know the plans I have for you," declares the Lord. He knows the plans He has for you God has a plan for you and He has a plan for me. That should give us a lot of hope. That should let us know that there's something more for us, there's something that God has for us instead of just accepting the status quo, but to say, "I want something to be different. God, what's your plan for me? But God had a plan for humanity and for each of us, and he, he, he followed this pattern too. What's the problem? Sin. We're separated from God. We've gone our own way. We try to do this life on our own, and in the end, we we fail. Sin is the problem. What's the solution? God's like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna come. I'm gonna reestablish that relationship. I want to be with them. He comes, and His plan is grace to offer grace freely for all of us. But you know what? He took action on this. He stepped out of heaven. We celebrate Christmas. He stepped onto a cross, we celebrate Easter, and he rose from the grave. He didn't just say, I've got a plan, I hope it works, nah, I'm too comfortable, no, he stepped out because he loves you, he loves me, he loves all of us, and wants us to to find that freedom, and when we have that freedom, that's when we can dream those dreams, when we can see that God has something new for us. And so, I'm just gonna challenge you guys, maybe in your family, or with a friend, maybe in your community group, Sit down and say, all right, let's, what's the issue we want to do something about? What's the problem? What's the solution? What's two, three steps in the plan? And how can I take my first step? What's some action that I can take? And watch what God does as he begins to unfold in front of you this journey of faith that really changes you and that we can emerge better and stronger. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the story that's been preserved for us from Nehemiah where we can just see you birthing something in his spirit. God, where, where nobody stepped in for 100 years, you encouraged him. God, you gave him that boldness to say, it's time to do something. Father, help us in our own lives to, to not get so comfortable with the status quo. But God, to really say, our marriage can be stronger, these relationships can be better, my finances can be different. God, my, my career can, can look different. God, I can do something about this problem in our community or in our world or I can make a difference at the church or with my neighbors. God, help us not just to be lulled into complacency, God, but help us to to dream new dreams, to, to birth visions in us where we can see the world change and be different. God, thank you for this shared experience of Meadow Park Church together, where we all have a stake, where we all have an investment. God, continue to use us to fulfill your mission in this place. God, doing whatever it takes to help people experience life to the fullest in Christ. May we commit ourselves anew to that mission. And Father, would you bring hope and healing to somebody who's living in the rubble that there can be a new day and that there can be a new future. God, give the courage today to take those first steps. And Father, if there are any here today or listening in the sound of my voice, God, that don't know you, that don't have that peace of knowing, God, that that there is a solution for their lostness, for their loneliness, for for their guilt, for their shame, God, that you have come to bring grace, that you have come to give freedom, that you have come to give forgiveness. God, there's only one step in that plan that we need to take, and that is just to receive you as our Lord and Savior, just to accept that grace, God to say, yes, Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. And we begin that new journey together. God, give us the courage to walk with you. We thank you that you are a God who takes our life, and no matter what the rubble is, God, you will build it anew. And God, we wanna build on your foundation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.